27, I picked verse 21, actually half of it. Man is tested by the praise he receives. It's good to pre- receive praise, huh? But what you do with it, that's, that's, a, that's a good test as well. Today we're in the second week of a teaching about the I am statements that Jesus made um, in the Gospel of John. And he, he makes seven different s- statements where he talks about, he says, I am something. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the gate, the door through which you enter. I am the bread and the life. I am the resurrection and the life, which we visited last week. The light of the world. I am the light of the world, and I am the van- vine, and you are the branches. So some great, uh, great statements that he makes in there. And last week, we, we, uh, we discovered that, that the resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is actually a person. Today, we're going to look in John chapter 10 and uh, in verse 11, where Jesus is talking, and he says, I'm the good shepherd. And what does a good shepherd do? The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's John ten eleven. He's a good shepherd. And uh, when we say the word gospel, the word gospel actually means good news. And it's good news that Jesus, the good shepherd, was willing to die for you and for me. Um, and, and the fact that he's the good shepherd implies that there's someone who is not good, right? And um, in fact, um, it doesn't just imply it. But in verse 1 of 10, uh, John chapter 10, he, Jesus says this. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. In other words, hey, there's a way to come in. And if you're legitimate, you're going to come in that way. But if you sneak in, there's something going on. And uh, you're a robber and a thief. And we do have an enemy. And uh, his name is, is Satan. He, we call him the prince of, he's called the prince of darkness. He hates God. And he hates God's people, and his mission is to steal and to kill and to destroy everything that matters to the heart of God. That's his mission. And so if you and I just, just look around, there's, you, we can easily see that there is a power of evil in our world today that's destroying the things that matter most to the heart of God. There's a lot of sickness out there. There are families that are falling apart. There, there are marriages that are in trouble. There are kids that you know, we watch make bad decisions, and we think, oh, don't go there, don't do that. And, and I believe at the root of that, of all of that, is the thief, the robber. And, and Jesus is real clear about this mission of our spiritual enemy. In, in, in verse 10, he said, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Now contrast, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That sounds pretty good. We'll go with that part. Um, So I want to be real clear here. Jesus is the good shepherd. So this is obviously a metaphor. Um, Who are we in the metaphor? I mean, it's pretty obvious. We're the sheep. Would you agree with that? Okay, we're the sheep in the metaphor. And and the love of God is demonstrated um, so richly. Um, through the love of his son, and he says that he desires that you have a rich and a satisfying life. Other versions say life to the fullest is the phrase that's used. He's the good shepherd. You and I are the sheep. Now, incidentally, you know me, I'm really distractible, and so I start looking at things and studying things out, and, and I found out that sheep are the animal that's, that are listed in the Bible more than any other animal. In fact, sheep are mentioned over 200 times, and um, since we're talking about animals you will note that dogs are listed 44 times and cats are listed exactly 
Zero. Zero times. You know, and I know that there's an argument coming back at me. Yeah, but dogs are typically not listed in all that good of light. And I hear things like Revelation 22, you know, where dogs are listed among sorcerers, dogs, whoremongers. You know, it's not that great of association. Or the dogs return to, and I won't finish that scripture. And you're true. It's, those are true. Okay. And cats are just not, but, but there are animals in the cat family. The lion in particular does show up in scripture who scripture says, that is our enemy who roams about seeking for whom he could devour. So I'm just going to let it go at that and say the dogs and the cats got off today with an, a draw. <laughs> In my mind, yes. Um, so anyway, we're the sheep. And um, I, I think that's evident, but... Unfortunately, it's not really, really the best of news because sheep are among the dopiest animals to walk the earth. It's a fact, okay? I'm not, it's not, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, scientists, there's some disagreement about how smart they are, but they're typically compared with the intelligence of rodents, okay? I mean, they are <laughs> right there with the rats and the squirrels. I mean, I got some smart squirrels. They outsmart my wife because she puts f- feet out for the for the birds and the squirrels, get them. But um, sorry, honey, it's a fact. I mean, okay, later, I'll, let's, let's move on. So, but you think about it. You, you go to the, the, if you go to the circus, you're not going to see any trained sheep. You're going to see trained dogs, trained horses. You'll even see trained fleas. You're not going to see any trained cats. You're not going to see any trained sheep because they're just really, really, I mean, the only way you can ever train a sheep to play dead is to actually shoot it in the head, but that trick only works once. They're just not very smart. So I want to start out with <laughs> a little bit about, um, I'm talking about the animals, not you. Okay, don't, don't get all up in my grill now over this. So we haven't got to the you part, I'm pretty sure. Um, so I want to give you five challenges of being a sheep. Okay, five challenges of, of being a sheep. Number one, sheep get lost very easy. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. It is incredibly common out there in the sheep shepherding world for sheep to walk away from the shepherd's fold. They just do. They, they, they think, hey, um, I think over there that looks pretty good to me, and so I'll just, just go on over there because I think something over there is going to make me happy. Or, or they say, I don't know what to do. Or They just can't seem to always make good decisions. And the reality is that that's where a lot of us are. You know, we try to figure out life, and, and sometimes we seem to make or continue to make bad decisions. And it's because sheep without a shepherd can get lost really, really easily. Second, uh, second challenge of being a sheep is sheep are defenseless. They're just defenseless. I mean, almost every other animal has some form of defense. If you're a cat, you've got claws. If, if, you're, if, if you know, many animals have fangs to you know, bite with or they have horns to, prevent, you know, to promote their own will, um, they can kick, they can fly away, some can run really fast. Some animals just really do a good job of blending in with the background. Um, they've got these, these things. But sheep, they just can't do anything. They're completely defenseless. I mean, the summary of their defensive system is this. <laughs> That's it. Oh, look out for that. I mean, I mean and, and on our own, without the armor of, 
uh, uh, the full armor of God, without the body of Christ, without, without the protection of the good shepherd, we're really, really vulnerable to the lies of the evil one. We are. And for a lot of people, they believe those kinds of lies. And sometimes they're leading a life that leads to death, a, a life that leads to destruction, at least on the inside of their heart. Okay, so um, they're defenseless. The third one is, is sheep can be very stubborn. They can. Okay, so somebody could go ahead and look at the person next to you and say, hey, he's talking about you. You're really stubborn. You go ahead and do that right now. Don't point at them, but um, you can do that. Now, some of you, some of you are sitting next to somebody stubborn, but you're not doing it. That makes you stubborn, and I'm talking to you now. You should have done what you were told to do. I mean, I've heard that, I read somewhere that if sheep are walking somewhere and there's like some boulders in the way and they walk in there and it's not big enough for them to get, get through and they walk in and they get stuck, they won't back up. They'll just get stuck and instead of backing up, they'll keep pushing further and get wedged more. There's no, you know, beep, 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 beep. There's none of that kind of stuff going on with the sheep. They're just so stubborn, they won't back out. And, and maybe you know somebody like that right now. Anybody know somebody like that? Raise your hand. You know somebody? I know you're all afraid to raise your hand because I'm going to pull a trick on you. I mean, don't point at the person. But, but we know people that are stubborn. I mean, maybe, you know, like, I mean, I've heard a comment from a, a girl before, you know, like, I always get the bad guys. The bad guys are always coming after me. You know, not, they're not good guys. And, you know, sometimes I want to say, honey, you're fishing with the wrong bait. You know, I mean... Or, or, or the person who's, who's, who's saying to themselves, you know, I don't have any money. I'm always broke. Hey, can you give me a ride to the store? Because I need to get the lottery ticket before the thing ends. And I'm thinking, you know, there, there's just, it just, it just it's stubborn. It's dumb. It's, it's, it's what a lot of sheep are. Okay, where does this stubbornness take people? Number four, sheep get stuck chasing the things that they want. And as they press into the things that they want, things that they think that they have to have or things that they have to be or things that they have to do, they get stuck, okay? So, so there's, <laughs> okay, and see, this is not so uncommon as you think. And they, they, they want that food in there. They stick their head in, and here's the problem. They get their head stuck in there, and then when they lift their head up, there's a handle on the bucket, and the handle flips around. Now it hooks behind the head. So even though the bucket's loose, they can't get out without some help. But as dumb as sheep are, the dumbest sheep is one who thinks it's a poodle. And there, there's just no explaining, explaining this. Now, I don't know why there's two leashes, and I don't want to know anything about this owner. But anyway, okay, next item. Number five, sheep are filthy. They're just filthy animals. I know what you say, but they're so cute. I've seen them. They're white and they're fluffy when I see them on TV. And I'm saying, you know, those dudes on the TV were power washed by somebody. I mean, somebody cleaned those things up, fluffed them and did stuff with their hair because they're really filthy and they, they, they stink. They just don't have the ability to, con- to, to clean themselves. So they don't. They're just dirty animals. And, <laughs> I mean, I'm piling in pretty deep here, but I, I, I mean, th- I'm in a deep hole now, I feel like. But respectfully with, with, <laughs> with, with all of you, and I love you, I would say that's the way we are in the eyes of God. It is. 
a lot of people will make a comment about somebody. Oh, he's a great guy, or she is just the sweetest woman. But in the eyes of God, we're just not that good. We just aren't. In the eyes of God, we're dirty. We're, we're, we're sinners. We, in the eyes of a perfect God, we just don't stack up for what's required in a perfect heaven. The bottom line is that the sheep need a shepherd. And we need a savior. We need Jesus. And without him, we're vulnerable to the lies of the evil one. So what would a good shepherd do for the lost? The defenseless, the, the stubborn, the stuck, the stinky. What, what would a good shepherd do? And he, Jesus tells us that in, in answer to that in Matthew 12, verses 11, 12. He says to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? That's why it's really, really good news when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, so, so that I would lay down my life for the sheep. Now, with the rest of our time here um, today, I want to talk about some of the really incredible good qualities of our good shepherd. And uh, so I want to pray um, over where we're going to go from here. And the Lord, I just pray that as we now talk about um, no longer talk about so much the weakness of sheep, but instead we talk about the grandness of, of our God. That, Lord, the issues that we discuss, the qualities that we see in you, would somehow make a connection into our souls. I pray, Lord, that, that not only would they connect to our, comprehend, uh, to, to our comprehension, Lord, but that they would somehow relate to practical steps for us in our lives. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the first one, if you're taking notes, the answer to the question, what does the good shepherd do? The first one is that he guides. He guides. Everybody say, he guides. He guides. Good. Psalm 23, verse 3, David says, you know, this is the, the, the Lord is my shepherd. In verse 3, he says, he guides me along the paths, the right paths for his namesake. The right paths for his namesake. The Lord guides me. Do you ever find yourself with a, you know, a really big decision to make and you're not really quite sure what to do. And I, I'm going to say, but when you seek the Lord, he'll reveal himself to you and he'll guide you. Um, John chapter 10, or, uh, 3 and 4 says this, the gatekeeper opens the gate for the shepherd and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. And after he's gathered his flock here and he walks ahead of them, you know, what do they do? The Bible says they follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. He guides them. This is really, really powerful. The sheep know. They recognize the voice of the good shepherd. And I suppose some of you might say, well, you know, I, I just don't know what that sounds like. I mean, are you telling me, Pastor Terry, that God speaks out loud and you hear him in English speak to you? Well, I would just say to you, absolutely, he can do that. Um, but I also believe that God speaks to us through his word. 
I believe God speaks to us through circumstances. He speaks to us through other people who walk with him. He, he speaks to us through a prophetic message. I, I really believe the Lord spoke to us this morning through that prophetic message. That, that picture of the Lord is always reaching out. You know, I don't want to edit anything that the Lord would say, but I've always thought that Michelangelo got that wrong. You know, that, you know the picture, this, this hand, and it's a beautiful, it's really wonderfully done. But I always visualize that as the Lord's hand like this, not like this. I think the Lord's always wanting to lift up and to support and to touch, never to, right? I'm just my opinion, but it's a wonderful picture thinking the fact that I, was, I, I needed to be reminded this morning and the Lord spoke to us. The Lord is reaching to us all the time. You feel alone and you feel abandoned and the Lord's hand is always out there wanting to bless. Always wanting to. I think probably Michelangelo was being prophetic when he painted that picture. I don't think it was his imagination. So I think he can speak to us in different ways. And the sheep who belong to him know his voice. And some of you might be thinking, well, I, I, okay, sounds good, and I feel bad now, Terry, because I really don't know his voice. And I'd say it's likely maybe one of two different reasons why you don't know. Here's, 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 here's how I'll help you see this picture. Imagine... If you walked into a room and the room has 30 women in it and they're all talking to each other. <laughs> okay. When a little one says, come on, mom, we need you. That's, I love that picture. Whatever they need them, Lord, cover them, we pray. So imagine you walk into a room with 30 women and they're all talking. That doesn't take much imagination. That's the natural state of things, right? It's so different. You walk into a room with 30 men, and none of them are talking because they're watching the game. But they think they're hanging out together, right? <laughs> Guys look at the game, and they don't talk to each other, but there's they're, 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 fellowship to them because they're watching the conquering happen on the big screen. Anyway, you walk into a room, and there's 30 or 50 women, and they're talking. And my wife happens to be in there. Can you recognize her voice? would be my question. Would you know Lisa's voice if you walked into the room? Now, if you say, no, I'm not sure I could, there's two possibilities. Either you don't know her, you've never met her. Or the second possibility is that you just haven't spent enough time with her to know her voice. Because I could tell you, I could walk into a room with 50 or 100, name the number, it wouldn't matter, of women all talking. At the same time, you could blindfold me, and it wouldn't take me long, and I would say, my wife is here. In fact, she's over there because I know her voice. I know what she sounds like. I know what it sounds like when she coughs. I know what it sounds like when she laughs. I know the sounds that come out of my wife. As I can... <laughs> her voice. That is not in my notes. <laughs> but I can recognize her voice. I can pick it out. And if, if, you, if you don't recognize the voice of the good shepherd, it's likely that either you don't know him or you haven't spent enough time with him to recognize his voice. Because with our good shepherd... If you're one of his sheep, he calls you by name, he says. 
And it's wonderful that our God is a personal God, that he's, that he's a relational God. He calls you by name. And when he calls you by name, that's so personal relational. It just changes everything. Um, I had an experience here, one of these God things that happens with names. I, I have this habit after service to go out and I just greet people as they go out and I try to get out there far enough not to cause a traffic jam, but I just, just want to say hi to people and whatever. And, uh, and people sometimes come up and a number of months ago, uh, a guy who I hadn't seen in the church before um, came up to greet me and he was by himself and I would put him in the category of... Um, um, he, he was a little bit cross-grained, kind of scruffy looking. I'm not meaning down, I'm just t- trying to paint the picture here. But he came up and, um, and introduced himself, and we chatted, and, and, um, and that was it. And I have this, it's, it's terrible. I have a hard time remembering names. In fact, I have a, a, a system, sometimes I try to run and write it down somewhere, because I think if I see him next week, I want to p- call people by their name. And I, I mean, you can tell me your name, and in 10 seconds, I've forgotten it. I mean... You guys do that too, right? But see, you have me at a disadvantage. I mean, I've got to try to remember all these names, and I, I, I hit, it's hit and miss. I love you all, but I, I have to work at it to remember names harder than I should, and I think it's getting harder with time, okay? <laughs> Confess this. So, so that goes by, and a, a couple of months goes by with this guy, and he shows up in church again, and this time I could see there's, there's, there's just pain on him, not physical pain, but I couldn't see what it was. And I'm thinking, oh, I cannot remember his name. And it's like God sent a name missile. <laughs> put, put it down in, my, in, my, in my, my soul. And I, before I even knew what I was doing, out of my mouth, I said, hey. And I said his name. It's good to see you again. And when I said his name, I, I give God the credit for this. When I said his name, I watched his countenance turn over. He kind of teared up a little bit, and I greeted him, and he went away. A couple weeks goes by. He comes again, and he talks with me after church, and he said, hey, I want to tell you, a couple Sundays ago, I had decided to take my life, and I decided I was going to give God one more chance. I've told this story to some of the leaders here. I haven't told you all these details. I'm going to give God one more chance, and I found out that day. And he said the phrase, God knows my name. Because of my church, I know God cares about me. And I thank God because we have a God who's personal and that he wants to reveal himself and he wants to call you by name. And I think sometimes, you know, we get these difficult decisions we have to make in life. You know, should I take this job in a different city? Or should I stay here? Should I, should I keep dating this person or not? Should I, should I have more kids or stop? Should I be a part of this church or find a... I mean, here's what I try to do when I'm at a decision and I'm trying to figure these kinds of things out. It's like I, I remind God as if God needs to be reminded of something. But I mean, I, I, I think about the promises that he makes and he has said to us, you know, I'm the good shepherd. He guides. And I say, you know, God, this is up to you to guide me here. My role is to follow you. Scriptures are full of statements that, is, you know, it's better to obey than to sacrifice. He'd rather that we followed his way and not be quite so worried about the results as, as we should have our attention on obe- obedience and following and trusting and having our faith in where he's telling us to go. 
So my role is, is, you know, is to follow and, and God, you show me because you show me and then I'll go. He guides. Everybody say he guides. He guides. Okay. Number two, he provides. Our, our good God provides. Psalm 23, um, in verses one through three, here's David again. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. We, we're used to a different translation. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Number, verse two, he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. I love that picture. I, especially like the part that we blow past. He makes me lie down. You ever seen a sheep lie down? I mean, you're probably answer is, you know, I hardly ever see sheep standing up either. So I don't see them. Okay, I get that. But I mean, if you hung out with sheep, you wouldn't see them lie down hardly at all. You just wouldn't see them. They, it's, it's pretty rare. There, there are three things have to be happening for a sheep to lie down. Um, they have to be well fed or they will not lie down. They have to be getting along with each other or they will not lie down. And they have to feel safe or they will not lie down. But in the presence of the good shepherd, they're already full because, because they've been in, 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 the, in the presence of the shepherd. And, and he has this tendency to break up the fights and help them get along. And some of you, I really believe, as I was preparing over this and I put it in my notes, I believe there are people here today that are, that are hearing this that need the good shepherd to come and bring healing and forgiveness into relationships in your home. I really believe the Lord is, has signaled that that's... that's something that he plans to do. And I want to pause once again and briefly pray, Lord, thank you, God, that you already have a plan in advance by way of willing hearts to allow for a supernatural intervention and change us in places that we're stuck in relationships in our home. Lord, please put it, pour it out upon us, I pray. He goes on, he says, he leads me beside quiet waters. And I'm thinking, why quiet waters? Is it because it's this beautiful pastoral picture? Is it because it makes a nice painting? I don't know. I think there's practical reasons to these things. And, and I, I think that, you know, because if it's rushing rapids, the sheep won't go there to drink out of it. It's too risky. They fall in, they're going to be gone. It scares them. The noise, the ruckus, they won't go there. They've got to be near the right kind of water. And the good shepherd leads them to the right kind of water where they can drink. Who's the right kind of water is the obvious question. Well, of course, it's Jesus. Once we drink of him, we'll never, ever thirst again. And because he provides for our souls, our souls get refreshed. And I think for some of us, you know, everything's okay on the outside, but inwardly, our soul just isn't always at rest. And if that's you, you could possibly be a sheep without a shepherd because our good shepherd is so loving, he refreshes our soul. And so here's how that can be so amazing for us. You know, for any sheep that's under the care of the good shepherd, you can have all hell breaking loose in your life. Things can be going wrong. You can be getting all kinds of problems that are just landing at your doorstep, but you can still have this supernatural peace that transcends your ability to understand. And what is that? That's the presence of the good shepherd refreshing your soul. That's what that is. The good shepherd guides, the good shepherd provides. Number three, he also corrects. Everybody say, my shepherd corrects. My shepherd corrects. <laughs> that may not be good news for you if you're the sheep that's wandering, okay? It might not be the best news, but it really, really is good news because 
Our good shepherd loves you enough to correct you, to keep you from going someplace that's going to hurt you worse. Job, Job knew this, and um, we see this in Job 5, 17, and 18. And it's a pretty rich pic- picture. Verse, verse 17, he said, Blessed is the one whom God corrects. Now, that is really hard to do and to see when you're being corrected. When you're feeling corrected, it's really hard to go, wow, this is a great blessing. Thanks, God. I'm really liking this. No, this is not how it works. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty, for he wounds, but he also binds up. He injures, but his hands also heal. Man, that seems so odd that God would actually wound and then bind up. It seems so out of alignment with our culture. Doesn't it? it? It's, you know, you know I, I read one place about something that just struck me as odd, and I, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but um, it, it goes back to Bible times, they say, something that some loving shepherds would do when they would have a little lamb that would insist to continuous, continuously wander off. They would have this rod, you know, hooked on one end. Sometimes they grab them and pull them in place. But there's another end to that rod. And um, I think when a sheep wouldn't cooperate, they would kind of whack it, you know. And you might not see that, what do you mean that little lamb? Why would you whack the little lamb? Come on, you know. Okay, because something where they're headed is going to hurt them way worse. And for a sheep that would continually do that over and over again, so what I read said is that uh, in a rare case, the shepherd would literally break a leg of the lamb to protect it, to stop its ability to wander away. That seems so extreme. It seems so unloving. Ouch! And then the good shepherd would put him on his shoulder and carry him. And that's what this picture represents. A sheep that can't walk because the loving shepherd had to injure it to keep it from going someplace that it was, that it was insisting. And now you've got a sheep that can't walk. Maybe the leg's broken here. I don't know. I doubt it. But what would have to happen now is that shepherd would keep that sheep close to him. That shepherd would nurture, would feed, would care for would provide for that sheep and that sheep would be around the shepherd and would know the voice and know the heart and learn to trust. And then when it was capable of walking on its own, would never ever wander away again. That's what this picture is all about. It wasn't meant to be a pose for postcards. It's a good shepherd. And he learned to know the voice and trust the shepherd. And that's the discipline of God. You know, Every loving parent has had a moment where you had to decide um, the will of their little one had risen to the point where you were either going to take them to the hospital for the burn they're going to have on their hands from putting it where, they, where you've told them no repeatedly, or you're going to slap their hands. And, I mean, I've done it. You know, I got to the point with my little ones where you... And... I remember, I can still remember the very first time that I did that with our first child, Ben. <laughs> I remember the look on his face like, you know, 
What did you do to me? You have broken my trust. I don't like you anymore. You know, that look they give you of shock. And as a parent, you're talking to yourself. You're saying, this is, this, I love you, I love you, I love you. This hurts me more than it hurts you. It's so true. But they don't get it. And the fear is they're not going to love us anymore. They're going to get angry and, and relationship will be broken. And, and, you know, Lisa and I had a conversation yesterday with each other. We were talking about um, somebody close that we know who doesn't come to this church, so don't try to figure this out, <laughs> whose 30-year-old sons have come home to her again for the umpteenth time. They're, they're not responsible for themselves. They, they don't seem to be able to live a, a life as productive adults. They, they have really never heard the word no. And it probably goes back to the first time that should have happened. Maybe, I don't know. It's not right for me to judge that. But it's so important. It's so important. Discipline of God is so important. And there may be times, though, I think, when our good and our loving God will let us face the consequences of, of our own dopey decisions. I mean, there's, there come times when God says, you know what? All right, I guess you're not going to learn this another way. It's dopey. It's, you don't see this. I guess you've got you to feel this for you to realize and not do this dopey thing again. And, and some of us, we watch, we've been there before. We've been doing the dopey decisions. And some of us then will watch the people around us and say, hey, don't go there. And, 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 and we see how it costs us. And nobody sits around thinking, you know, oh, good. God has disciplined me. That's really, really good. I like this. Hey, God, sock it to me. Can I have another? We, nobody does that. We know, when I would discipline my teenagers, they said, oh, good. Dad's taking away our CDs. I hope he takes away our cell phones too. They don't, they don't do that. We don't do that. <laughs> Hebrews twelve eleven says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Our good shepherd loves us enough to correct us, to keep us from a greater harm. He guides, he provides, he corrects. And number four, he protects. He protects. This is what the Bible says in Psalm 23, verses four to six. Now, this translation is a little different than the one that you're used to. So, uh, but just go with me. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because the good shepherd's with me. For you are with me. And when he's with me, I got nothing to fear. I, I, I'm at rest in my soul. I know he's working in all things for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I got any reason to fear. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. You know, I could do a whole sermon on every one of those. I'm just going to pick the last one because we look at that, you know, this whole my cup overflows and we, and we think, we assume, of course, oh, that means I'm well provided for. Everything I need is there and it's so much, it's overflowing. I'm in tall cotton, okay? That's what we think it means. This is written in the context, though, of Old Testament culture. And Old Testament culture, you know, you could be a guest at someone's house. And here was the tradition then. As long as they continued to pour wine into your cup, you were welcome to stay. The party's still going on. They would put wine in your cup. 
If there's wine in your cup, you're good. You stay. You're welcome to stay. But you know, if you've ever had guests before and they kind of stayed and they stayed and they stayed and it's 12 and it's 1 and it's 2 in the morning, you're thinking, you know, come on, I got to go to work in the morning. But you don't want to say, hey, leave so I can go to bed. But they, they, they would wear out their welcome. Um, the picture here is that the Lord is pouring into your cup. The Lord is reaching out to you was how we heard it earlier today. But the Lord is pouring into your cup. And not only is it not diminishing down to the point where you're no longer welcome, it's time to go home. You don't even get to see the rim of your cup because the Lord won't let it drop at all. It overflows. He keeps your welcome in his place, in his home, in his presence. is overflowing. He will never let that go to a point where it starts to drain down. You are always going to be welcome in the presence of the Lord. Your, your cup overflows. That's what that's saying. That's just how good he is. That's, that's how much he loves me. Verse 6, Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you get that? My cup overflows. I'm staying here forever. Jesus told this parable where he talks about, he says, you know, if a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, won't he leave the 99 that stayed behind and go after the one? And I got to say, there could be people here today that this whole message really was for you. You know, you're the one. You're the one. You're the sheep that needs the shepherd and he's coming for you. He loves you that much. You know, I've had people mention to me before after church, you know, that really spoke to me when you said this. And so I never said it in the sermon, but the Holy Spirit was speaking to someone. And there could be people here today that are saying, you know, this message is really speaking to me. It's really speaking to me. Guess what? It is to you that the Lord is speaking this. You're the one and he's coming for you. It doesn't mean you haven't been saved before today. Maybe it does. I don't know. But it means that the Lord is saying, come on. I heard this story about this drama coach who had his class. And um, in, in this class, he, he came one day and, and, the, and the assignment was they were going to read the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. You know, we know the 23rd Psalm. We've heard it. It's, it's a familiar one to us. And he said, I'll go first. And he went through it with emotion and with feeling and with passion. And by the time he got to the end, his whole class was loving it and they were hooping and hollering and clapping and cheering as the story goes. And then he thought, okay, now I've got to get these students to do this. And the first kid he picked was the shyest kid in the class who also happened to be known among the class as being a Christian. You go next. So the shy kid thinks, okay. And um, known for being a Christian... And he's all nervous, and he starts out. And as he started out, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. This imagery starts to come into his soul. And it was obvious that it was touching him because he started to tremble. I shall not want. He thought about all of the times that the Lord had stepped in and provided when he needed it, that were miraculous, and it had made a difference to him. And as he began to, he began to tremble more and shake a little bit more, and as he went through this, partway through it, he was crying and he was, he was sensing this. And when he got done, everybody wasn't clapping and cheering. It was dead silent in the room and people were crying instead. And the drama coach says, 
Well, that just says it right there. This young man, I mean, he, he says, I know the psalm, but this young man knows the shepherd. And maybe you're the one and the good shepherd's coming for you today. And he wants you to know him. And there is still, there is one out there that's not good. He wants to steal and kill and to destroy. But our good shepherd came for you that you may have a rich and a satisfying life. He loved you so much that he laid down his life so that you and I could know his love. Let's pray.